be seated. If you would uh, bow with me in prayer, and then we're going to go back into Acts together today. Lord, we thank you uh, for this day. We thank you for the opportunity uh, to gather together as your people to sing your praises. Uh, We thank you. Uh, We do pray, as we just sang, that uh, you would be our vision, that you would be the thing that we are uh, most taken with, that you would be the center of all in our lives. And so we just pray that as we open your word, that you would speak to us uh, through it. We thank you that you have preserved it, you have kept it for us, that when we hear your word uh, read aloud, we hear the very words of God, and we thank you for that. Uh, We confess as we open it, as we come to it this morning, that we cannot do this on our own. And so we ask that this, the Holy Spirit would be our teacher, that you would take the eternal truths of your words, that you would apply them to our hearts and our minds, that you would show us exactly what you would have for us in your word today. And we pray that uh, as we do this, that we would leave here uh, having grown closer to you, having seen you more fully, uh, more, uh, just more of your glory. And so we just pray that that would be the ends of our time this morning, that you would be lifted up, that we would make much of you. We pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Um, I remember hearing a story uh, I heard a few different times, uh, I think probably a couple different sermons or different pastors. And it was uh, it was a story about an old uh, pastor named Addison Lecht. And I think he lived in the around the 50s. But uh, he had a couple of young ladies that were uh, at his church. Um, that were both graduating college. They were both just about to graduate college. Both had big plans to go. That's going to get old. thought we fixed that. We'll try again. If it does it again, I'll turn it off and just talk really loud. But, uh, but these two young ladies. All right. Totally throw my rhythm off. No, so. That's okay. All right. Let's pray again. <laughs> God, would you just uh, speak to us clearly? Would you just be uh, in this place? Would you be our teacher and our guide this morning? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, no. Got higher. All right. So back back to the story. Uh, two young ladies decide in this church as they're graduating college that they're uh, no longer going to go uh, to graduate school. They decide they go tell their parents that instead of going to graduate school as they had planned, uh, that was their big plan. They were going to do graduate school and then have these great jobs that they're now going uh, to be full time missionaries and go overseas to an unreached people group. And so the story goes. Uh, The pastor was pleased, heard this, said, oh, this is great, kind of counseled them on this. Uh, And then the parents showed up at the church and said, "Uh, what have you been teaching my daughters and what are you doing? Uh, We had this plan. This is what was going to happen. They were going to to graduate school. They were going to have a good job after that, the security that comes with that and all these things. And they just kind of laid into them and and let them have it. And so the story goes that Dr. Leck then uh, said this to them. He said, "Uh, let me get this straight. Every one of us is on this little ball of rock called Earth, this little ball of rock that is spinning through space at a zillion miles an hour. 
And even if it doesn't ever run into anything else, someday, from, every, from under every single one of us, a little trap door is going to open. And everybody here is going to fall off. And underneath there will either be the everlasting arms of God or nothing at all. And so let me get this straight. You think that we can get some security by getting a master's degree. Do I have that straight? That was his answer to the parents as I came. And, and you can understand what he was saying as he was, as he was talking to them in this. That, uh, I think oftentimes as believers, we, we profess that there's more than what we can see. There's a spiritual realm that, that God is the God of the universe, that he's spoken to us, that he's told us what that looks like. He's given us uh, what we see here in Acts to go make disciples of all nations, to go into all these places. But then when the, the rubber meets the road, it's like, well, yeah, but we're not actually going to live like that. Or at least that's what these parents were saying. They were going, no, 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 that's that's not going to work. Security comes from a certain job and a certain place and a certain thing. And so you, you can kind of get what he was he was talking to them about. But what strikes me about that story is, as we go back into Acts today is we see this dynamic church in Acts that saw uh, the spread of the gospel of making disciples, of going into all nations as the uh, organizing principle of everything they did. That this is what would happen and, and we see the church grow in this way. But yet oftentimes today when we begin to take seriously the commands of Jesus and the things that we sing, that we profess, that we say we believe. And we go, yeah, but that, we're not really going to do that. Right. And, and I think that's part of what's the difference between the church in America today and, and what we see in Acts. And so what I want us to do this morning is we're going to look at Acts Chapter 13, we're going to look at the first 12 verses of that. Again, if you want to follow along in the Pew Bibles, the white one, it's page 537. The one with the blue stripe, it's on page 599. And that's where we're going to be. We're just going to look at the beginning of Acts chapter 13. But what I want us to think about this morning as we do is we see this dynamic church that was doing all these things and the gospel's growing and it's going out and you see all this happening. And there's some foundational things that they believe that I think sometimes we go, oh, we're not really going to do that. But in Acts, they did. And they believed it. And it was the organizing principle of what they were doing. And so this is the way I want us to look at uh, Acts 13, those first few verses this morning, is there's a foundational truth that they believed and that they were, they were operating out of. And I want us to consider what that is. Then secondly, I want us to think about a biblical uh, balance of, of what we're talking about. And we'll get to that in just a second. And so there's this foundational principle that was helping uh, the way they did things. But then I want us to think about what a biblical center of that looks like. And then lastly, how do we apply that? What does that look like for us today? And so let's look at Acts chapter 13. We're going to pick up in verse one, if you want to follow along there with me. So verse one says, now they were in the church at Antioch, prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian of a lifelong friend of Herod, the Tetrarch and Saul. And I'm just going to pause there because we hit on this a couple weeks ago. This is the church in Antioch, this really, really diverse city uh, from all different nations gathered together. And I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but you see the leadership that forms out of the church of Antioch and they're from all over. Every tribe, tongue, nation, they're not all from one place. You, you read the names and you see there's a unity there that crosses all uh, thresholds 
of different ethnicities. And so just as a side note, we, we talked about that before. But you see them meeting, and then in verse 2 it says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for to the work that I have called them. And then after fasting and praying, they laid hands on them, and they sent them off. And so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And so we're going to just stop there for just a second. And, and the first thing I want us to consider and to point out is the way that they operate is they are seeking the Lord in prayer and fasting and waiting on the Holy Spirit before they do anything. That's the way they operate. That they're spending time together in praise and in worship and fasting and they wait on the Holy Spirit. And it says, I want you to set aside Paul and Barnabas. And they go, okay. And then it, God's showing them where he wants them to go. And then when he does, they do it. They're obedient. Not only are they fasting and seeking the Lord and what he's calling them to and what he's telling them, they're then obedient when he does. And they do what he calls them to. And, and so this first foundational truth I want us to think of, and we're going to flesh this out a little bit more, is they're operating. If there is a spiritual reality, there's something going on far deeper than the physical world all around them. And they're seeking God in those things, and they're operating this way. This is just normal operation of the church in Acts. This wasn't like a really fanatical, kind of crazy church. This was just the church. This is what it looked like. But then look at what happens as Paul and Barnabas go. So pick up verse 5. When they arrived, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had John to assist them. And when they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elimaeus the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And so I want us just to stop there and think for just a second. So it tells us that they prayed and they fasted and being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they go into this place and they begin to proclaim the gospel. Right? That's what Paul does everywhere he goes. He goes first to synagogues, he proclaims the gospel, and as he's given uh, an audience there, the gospel begins to take hold and people are asking questions. This guy, Sergius Paulus, who's one of the, the, the pro-council, which is, he's just a, 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 a politician. He's kind of in, in leadership there in the town. So it's an important person to have a hearing with in the town. It could be helpful to the cause of spreading the gospel. And so they run into this guy and they, he says, I want to hear what you have to say. And so they have this opportunity. But there's a guy who keeps stepping in trying to stop this from happening. Right. The guy there that it tells us there's a magician in town that keeps stepping in and keeps trying to uh, Elimaeus, the magician. He opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But here's the thing I want you to see that we're going to kind of focus on this morning. What Paul says to him, he looks right at him and it says that he's full of the Holy Spirit. And he looked intently and he says, you are a son of the devil. You enemy of all righteousness, full of deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? 
And so what we see in Acts is there's just an understanding throughout Scripture that there is a spiritual battle going on everywhere the gospel goes. And when we start to talk about that or we start to say that, there's a little bit today that's like, really? (laughs) Are you going to go to that? Like, in our culture today, the idea of of spiritual warfare, uh, of devils or, or Satan or demons or those types of things going on and people kind of, ah, come on, really? A lot of times that's what you'll be met with. That's, that's not really true. Come on, you don't really believe that kind of stuff. But what we see in Acts, what we see in Jesus' ministry, what we see throughout the scriptures is there's a very real spiritual battle going on. And we see Paul directly addressing this man in that way. And so when we say that and people are skeptical, oftentimes when people go, well, I'm not sure about that. But if you ask some questions and you begin to talk about this idea of evil in our world, whether it's a personal evil, where we talk about demons and devils and Satan and that sort of thing, or if we just take it back, people will go, well, I don't know about that. If you ask the question, well, do you think there's evil in the world? I've yet to meet anybody that says no. Right? There's too many things in our world that are going on today that people will usually say no to that question. There's a lot of evil around us. Most people will recognize and will say that on a global level. Uh, if we get real personal and we begin to stop and think about it and really kind of drill down even on a very personal level, I think we would say yes. There's days that are just really difficult. There's times that are hard, whether it's relationships, whether it's sadness or depression or or self-doubt or or whatever it may be. If we really stop and think about it, we believe those things exist, but then we kind of dismiss what the scriptures talk about actual spiritual beings. See, the Bible tells us very clearly that there were angels created in God's realm that worshipped him, but a group of them led by one in particular decided to uh, rebel. Isaiah 14 tells you the story of that. And it says there was an angel who decided that he wanted to be like the Most High, wanted to be like God. Wasn't content being in the heavenly realm, but wanted himself to be the center of attention. And that's the fall of Satan. God casts him out of his presence and he continues in that delusion that he can be the center of the world. A created being trying to take the place of the creator ends up with horrible consequences. And that's exactly what happens. And as he continues to do so, and God creates man and he fills his earth, Satan continues to uh, work in that lie that he's the sinner, that he can take all these things to himself. And so he seeks to take man and destroy man and pull him into this idea that God is not the sinner of all creation. I think that goes back to Genesis 3. And the temptation with Adam and Eve, you don't really have to identify yourself with who you are in God, but you can do it on your own. And so what happens and what scriptures tell us is that not only did Satan fall, he took with him a whole host of angels that are now out to seek and destroy the things of God. The Bible's pretty clear on that. It walks us all the way through that there's a real war going on all around us. And a lot of times we just kind of ignore that. Or we kind of pretend, oh, that's a little weird. I'll just, I'll leave that. Or we're okay reading fiction books about it. 
kind of romanticizing it or making it be something else and, and talking about it in that way. But a lot of times we don't look at what Scripture actually says. You know, we started in Ephesians 6 this morning. That was the first reading that I read to you from Ephesians chapter 6. If you know the book of Ephesians, Paul's writing a letter to the church at Ephesus. First few chapters are him kind of just giving them some solid theology, putting in a framework of teaching them, walking them through some things. And then the second half of the letter, he gets into very practical application of what that looks like to now live it. But then he gets to the very end of the book and right at the end he goes, oh yeah, and by the way, this is going to be really hard. It's going to be hard because there's a battle going on. And that's what we just read just a second ago. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might and put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. He says, this is a real thing and you need to be aware of it and you need to be ready for it. And he says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. And so he tells you, like, this is what it looks like. It's exactly what we see in Acts 13. You see a church that gathers together and seeks the Lord and they pray and they seek his presence and what he would show them. And then they seek to be obedient, operating in the power of the spirit, not in the things of this world. But as they go out and they do, they're met with these things and they see them and they keep going and they keep addressing them. And so what I want us to think about is just this foundational truth that there is an actual spiritual battle going on. But then the second thing I want us to think about is how do we have a biblical balance of that? Whenever we get into this area or we begin to talk about this or it does come up, depending on your background, maybe depending on the church you went to, where you've been before, sometimes it's either way uh, minimized or, or this is my experience. I'm speaking from my own personal experience or it's way overemphasized. A lot of times it swings from one side to the other. Sometimes we can make it all about angels and demons and spiritual warfare and we forget the fullness of what the bible actually teaches so there's a couple things that we need to consider as we think about living in this real battle of what it looks like to be a christian because we need to have an understanding that there is a real and personal evil that is a real thing but there's also this thing of our own sinful flesh the bible tells us as we've entered in as we've sinned as sin entered into the world, sin has now been passed down or inherited in us. As Adam and Eve, the first people, as our human head, as, as our uh, representative, because they were the only ones on earth, as they sinned and it got passed down, we come under that and into that. And so we're born into what Scripture calls sin. We're born that way. We're sinful, broken people from birth. We make that actual as we continue to make choices to ignore God and His world that He created. And as such, there's a battle that wages in us. Even before we're Christians, our conscience bears witness that there's something more to this life than the decisions we're making. But as we become believers, as we put our faith in Christ, as we trust him to take our sin, to restore us to God, to repair our relationship, the Holy Spirit comes in. Now we have a very real battle internally. Yes, we're a new creation. 
Yes, we have a new engine, so to speak, as we are restored to God with the Holy Spirit in us. But we still have our flesh to contend with. We still have our old habits. We still have the ways that we used to make decisions. We still have those things hanging on. And there's a real battle internally going on. And the Bible teaches that over and over. Uh, There's a great quote uh, from J.C. Ryle. It was in your, your bulletin this morning. And he just says it this way. He says, do you find in your heart of hearts a spiritual struggle? Are you conscious of two principles within you contending for the mastery? Do you feel anything of war in your inward man? Let us thank God for it. It is a good sign. It is strongly probable evidence of the great work of sanctification. All true saints are soldiers. A real Christian can be known as much by his inward warfare as by his inward peace. I just want to ask the question as a Christian, do you know that? I do. Like every day. Every day my flesh wants to take over. I want to be right. I want to be, you know, sulking or angry or frustrated or whatever. My flesh takes over. And the spirit is at war. It's God is remaking me from one degree of glory to another. And there's a real battle going on every day for my affections and my heart. But God's doing that work. It's because he loves us that that battle's going on as he's continuing to conform us to his image. And so there's a very real inward battle going on. And that's part of our sanctification process as we're growing up into who we are in Christ. And so we have that battle in that way. And that is true. And the Bible teaches that. And that's part of who we are. And we need to be reminded of that. But Paul says that so perfectly in Romans chapter seven. He says, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but my flesh, I serve the law of sin. And what he's talking about is that battle that is ongoing in us. We're being transformed by the renewing of our mind and coming to God's word and seeking to let that stand over us. But then our old habits and our old ways creep back and there's this battle going on. And that is true. And the Bible teaches that and it shows us that. And it points us to that truth. But there's a balance there between that and there's an external war going on that you are being attacked from angels and demons because they're real. And it's not all one or the other. It's both working in concert together at different times and attacking you. And so the reason I say a biblical balance is sometimes we can get into this thinking that everything's a demon. If that's kind of how you came up. And that maybe the church you were in or whatever it is, and we begin to say that and we begin to make it all these things and we begin to give too much focus to something that's not the focus. It's real. There should be a healthy respect and understanding of what Scripture teaches is going on around us. But when we make it all about that, we're elevating something to a place that shouldn't have. This is this is probably a very imperfect Example, but I was thinking about this this morning. When we make our focus on spiritual things going on around us, trying to uh, discern is this de- demonic activity or is this an attack or is this whatever, 
I think of it kind of like um, a, a professional basketball player being in a game. And they're playing and they're going and they're doing well. And all of a sudden their focus gets taken with someone who's talking trash to them in the crowd. They don't actually have any real power over them unless you give them that power and begin to listen. But they do that sometimes. Have you ever seen that happen? Or see an athlete that gets so taken with different things and they're talking to the crowd so much and it begins to diminish what's happening. They've taken their focus off of what's most important right in front of them and begin to look over on the sides. That's kind of the same when we begin to make demonic activity be the, the thing. The truth is, Jesus has defeated sin and death and they have no power over you in Christ. And it's to be uh, aware of what's happening and what the Bible teaches, but it doesn't mean that that should all encompass you. And so we keep our eyes on Jesus and not on those things, but we do need to realize what the Scripture so clearly teaches and what we see here in Acts 13. This is real. And there are real spiritual battles going on. When the gospel is proclaimed, Satan is going to do all that he can to keep that from people coming to faith. That's exactly what was happening here. This guy wants to hear the word of God. They're going, great, they come to tell him, and this guy's trying to run interference. And that is happening every day around us. There is a real battle going on, but we need to have this balance of, yes, it's real, but we're not called to be fearful. We worship a God who has created all things, who is sovereign over all things, who is good, who on the cross has already won the battle, and he's going to bring all of it to fruition perfectly and fully, and we can rest in that. And so I want us to be aware this is real, but then I want us to think about practically how do we go forward and live this out knowing that. And so look at this text and look at what happens here. Verse 10. Paul addresses them, you son of the devil, you enemy of all unrighteousness, full of all deceit and villainy. Will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. And immediately mist and darkness fell upon him and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. You see what happens? This guy steps in and he tries to stop and Paul stops and he rebukes him and he goes, you're not going to be able to see. And that's what happens. The guy literally says a mist came on him. He's blind and it's like, okay, now you're out of the way. And he turns and he begins to preach the gospel again. And then look at what happens. Verse 12, then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. And here's the thing I want you to see. It says he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord, at the proclamation of God's word. And what you see in the scriptures, you see it here, you see it in the way Jesus operates. You see it with, in, throughout Acts and the New Testament. When these things come up, they don't make it bigger than it is. They stop and they rebuke it in Jesus' name. And then they turn and they proclaim the gospel and God is glorified. And they don't make it all about these other things. You never see them making this great big deal of it. In fact, when Jesus comes up and he meets different people that are under demonic influence or possession, they go, oh, no, he's here. And they literally begin to cry out. What do you have to do with us? Please leave us alone. It's because Jesus is sovereign over all things. 
He's defeated them. And so when we think about what do we do with all this, there's a couple things I want you to consider. First, do you believe the battle is real? Do you actually believe that? And if you do, then my next question would be, when was the last time that you operated like they did here at the beginning of chapter 13? Praying and fasting and seeking the Lord for who you're going to share the gospel with next. Is that part of your weekly, daily, monthly life? Are you begging the Lord that he would remove spiritual blindness, that he would allow you to be part of what he's doing and you would see people come to faith? The battle's real and it's really going on. And the only way that this is ever going to happen right here in front of us is if we are completely and totally dependent on God and what he's done for us in Jesus. So what does it look like to be a church like the church in Acts? It's seeing these things are real, knowing they're real, and then saying, I'm going to throw myself on the mercy of God and make it all about him and all things. Now, here's the thing about this sermon. (laughs) Yes, it's real. And yes, as you begin to seek God in these things, these things are happening and going on around you, and you may become more aware of them. How's that for a? encouragement seek God more fully and you'll be more aware of battles around you it's kind of scary at first isn't it I was actually thinking about that like do I say that but here's the thing God shows up and he's glorified in this there's nothing that's going to come in your life that he's not going to use for your good and his glory And he allows us to be part of that. He invites us in to walking in a way that they were walking here. We want to be in the battle. And the reason we want to be in the battle is because as we are obedient to Jesus, that's going to come. But the good news is you have nothing to fear in that because he's already won the battle. He's already defeated sin and death. It's just a matter of time. And so God allows us to be part of what he's doing right here and right now. And so I would just encourage you uh, with this this morning. If you're distracted to the place, and this is what I see, and not anybody here, and I'm talking about our culture in general, in the church as a whole. I think we are so distracted with the things that go around us, entertainment, our stupid phones, (laughs) our stuff that we're looking, that we're just not even aware there's a battle going on. And so what would it look like to begin to seek the Lord with your entire heart and soul and being in prayer and in fasting and asking him, what does it look like for me to be part of what you're doing? I want us to be like a church like this. Where we're on our faces seeking God, going, show me what it looks like. And then we see him move. That he would be glorified in that. That we would lift Jesus' name up. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the glorious truth of your word. I thank you uh, that you are at work in and through us and around us. I thank you that you reveal to us 
the truth of the world we live in and what's happening all around us. We pray that uh, you would continue to open our eyes to see those things. I pray that you would greatly encourage us today uh, to seek your face, to rely on you in all things, to continue to follow you. Uh, We pray that you would give us opportunity. We pray that as those opportunities arise, that we would rest fully and completely in who you are and what you've done, that it's your doing, that you are drawing people to yourself that you're allowing us to be part of that. We thank you. We pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.